All right, everybody, welcome back to my podcast for my class in, uh, at Achieve Career Prep Academy. Uh, the purpose of this one is for my American History class. Uh, this is kind of our last section before we do take our test. So at the end of this week, we'll be kind of popping out a test out there. Remember, you guys only have about two weeks left in the quarter. So make sure that you are getting your stuff done and setting yourselves up to be as successful as possible. That's the most important thing at this point is getting ourselves prepared to take that next step. All right, so with this today, we're going to be talking about how the United States is going to emerge as a world power. So we don't really recognize this in modern because we've lived a world in which the United States was in control and dominated most of world politics the entire time that we've been alive. Well, what has changed with that for us is that we weren't always that way. When we first became a country, we were essentially a third world nation that was struggling to get by. As we pushed forward, as we became a stronger nation, we grew. So it starts uh, in about the late 1800s, early 1900s, where this is really going to start picking up. The first thing we're going to get involved in is in China. So instead of being involved in other parts of the world where a lot of people were, we jumped into China at the same time as everybody else, and we encouraged them to set up spheres of influence, which in these spheres of influence, what that means is that everybody's going to get a little chunk of China and they are allowed to run their country or that part however they kind of feel. Here's where we come in is that we're going to set in and we want to get past the spheres of influence. So we convince the Chinese to kind of really allow for this free inequality of commerce and trading within there. And they go in, there's something called the Boxer Rebellion, which is you know, coming in and killing a foreign ministers in Beijing. And it really kind of forces a lot of Europeans' hands into, hey, we need to let them kind of run their their business and everything like that. But what we end up doing is, uh, led by a man by the name of John Hayes, he sets up something for America called an open door policy, which says that all equal privileges to, for countries trading with China, and it's not just Europe, and the United States wants to preserve uh, Chinese territorial and administrative entities. So basically what they want to do, we want to set up a way for the Chinese to want to deal with the United States and everything like that. From there, we got to move a little bit farther east to deal with the next country we're going to be dealing with because that is Japan. We're going to be setting up uh, ports throughout Japan, kind of really showing how big of a a military power we are. We're going to take this great white fleet, which is our big ships, and we're going to take them all throughout uh, the Japanese sea, really show them off. We help uh, Russia and Japan got in a war in the early 1900s. We kind of step in and help them figure out their peaceful, their peace uh, that goes along with that. Uh, we're also going to really push in about how, hey, we need to treat Japanese like they're regular. And we're going to step in and talk about how this racism against the Asian population isn't okay. And that we have this gentleman agreement in which we are going to work with them and they're going to work with us. And it's this big policy for them. Now, the biggest place where we're going to really push our influence is that is it going to be in Latin America. So what we're going to do is we're actually going to go ahead and... We're going to set up a foreign relation policy in Puerto Rico as a part of the Spanish-American War. We received Puerto Rico. And as we received this nation, we 
kind of really take it over and we kind of run how this area is going to go. We also, in Cuba after the Spanish-American War, which was fought there, after Cuba, we through the Treaty of Paris, they had their own independence, but we set something up with them called the Platt Agreement, and, or the Platt Amendment, which basically says, we have final say on what your government looks like, and we have final say on a lot of things, and we're going to be a very big trader with you for the rest of the time. Now, we also are going to carry a policy called the big stick policy. And what that means is that what we, you know, Theodore Roosevelt will come out and say, we need to speak softly and carry a big stick and you will go far. And so basically what that means was that we needed to make sure that we, our power was felt in the Latin American community. The, one of the biggest ways in which we can do that is by connecting the Atlantic and the Pacific Oceans through the Panama Canal. And so Roosevelt goes in, he encourages a revolution in Colombia for the, Pan, the Panamanians to come in and really take it over. We pay $10 million to create this canal so that we can co connect the Atlantic and Pacific uh, oceans to each other to make it easier for us to trade with each other in there. We're gonna pay $10 million and annually pay $250,000 until the year 2000, so we pay you know, close to $250 million in this, in this land over time. And that helps us continue to push and kind of have all of these, you know, reactions in there. So what this does for us is it helps our exports. It helps us gain more money in a lot of very, very influential areas for having goods that we can then ship off to somewhere else. As we expand, we need to update what we call the Monroe Doctrine. So in 1903, Germany and Britain, they're going to blockade the Venezuela ports, and we're going to sit up there and Roosevelt adds what they call the Roosevelt Corollary, and it allows for an age of expansionism and economic influence in case of chronic wrongdoing by a Latin American nation. And what that really says is that the United States would assume the role of police of power in any Latin American nation. And because we are the police power there, that means anybody else from Europe is no longer really welcome to do as they feel within this country. The Latin American response to this isn't great. Uh, many Latin Americans, they resented America being the head of the hemisphere. They actually really try to fight with us. They really bring up this whole idea of, hey, you fought for your freedom so that you could be on your own. We're not any different from you. We are also a colony just like you were. This leads to uh, Taft coming in and when he became president in 1908, he basically has the same foreign policy, but what he's going to add to this is something called dollar diplomacy, which basically says, we're gonna substitute dollars for bullets. So instead of using weapons to you know, influence, influence our, our reign everywhere else, what we're gonna do is we're just gonna send money and really influence our reign through the amount of money we are going to set. Uh, dollar diplomacy seems like it's the peaceful matter, but when we're trying to make sure our money is good somewhere else, if we have to bring in our military to make sure you're buying our goods, we did just that. That leads us to 1912, a new president's gonna step in named Woodrow Wilson. And when Woodrow Wilson steps in, he is going to have a new emphasis on foreign policy, and he is going to call this moral diplomacy. So we must prove ourselves 
friends and champions upon terms of equality and honor. We must show ourselves friends by com comprehending their interests. Whether it squares with our in own interests or not, comprehension must be soil in which all the fruits of friendship. I mean the development of constitutional liberty in the world. So what is going on with all of this is essentially what he is saying is we need to back off of this big stick policy. And what we need to do is we need to spread peace and democracy rather than colonize these foreign nations. Other nations should be self-governing. And he wants to continue to have a friendship with all these places. Now, Woodrow Wilson struggled a little bit with some of this because Mexico falls into revolution. And there's a guy named Pancho Villa who really wanted to come in and take over parts of New Mexico and raid the towns there. So the United States had to step up and really take care of them in that situation because Pancho Villa was responsible for the murder of, you know, plenty of Americans, 18 in particular. At one point, we sent troops into Mexico really on a manhunt for Pancho Villa. And actually, his influence is going to lead to us joining World War I, which is what our next section is going to be all about, is World War I. So we are at the end today. I hope you guys have enjoyed listening. I know this one was a little bit ruffled. I haven't done this in a little bit. So I'm just trying to get my, get my bearings about me and get moving forward back into this podcast again. Thank you guys very much for listening. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe. And just make sure you give it a listen. Remember, this podcast is designed to help you, my students, do the best that they can in all of their in all of their social studies classes. Have a great rest of your day. I will talk to everybody soon. Bye.